0: You're listening to the podcast for Asbury United Methodist Church. Join us every Sunday for worship at 830 or 1045. Find out more at asburybosier.org. Well, good morning. Uh, it's good to be with you today on this very special day in the life of the church. And not only do we start a new season in the church, the season of Advent, with Hanging of the Greens, Um, But we also start a new worship series called The Gift of the Nutcracker and how this gift of the nutcracker, how this story might bring us into a deeper communion with Christ. Our scripture lesson today comes from the book of Romans, the 8th chapter, beginning with the 22nd verse. It will be on the screens and it's also in your Bible. Let us hear the word of the Lord. We know that the whole creation has been groaning in labor pains until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, grown inwardly while we wait for adoption, the redemption of our bodies. For in hope, for in hope, we are saved. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what is seen? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Advent is a peculiar season. Now, most of the time when we gather uh, here for worship. We gather in, in praise and thanksgiving for Christ, what God has done, what God continues to do in our life, and what God will do tomorrow. Advent is a little bit different. Advent is a holy waiting. It is here, but not yet. It's kind of like uh, if you go to uh, a production of The Nutcracker, right? Uh, you might know this story, right? There's Clara and her godfather And a mouse king and a nutcracker and shenanigans happen uh, in the story. Um, You might be really familiar with that story, but there's still, even if you know everything about that story, you might know the story of Jesus, the shepherds, the angels, Bethlehem, the wise men. You might know that story, but even if you know everything about that story, there is still a pregnant pause before the baton drops. That's where Advent lives. Advent lives in that moment, and that's where we are today. This story, and each week uh, over the next four weeks, we're going to dive into each of the characters of the book. There's Clara, who is waiting, um, and the story revolves around her. There's Drosselmeyer, who is Clara's godfather, who offers her the gift of the nutcracker. And then the third week uh, will be fun. We're talking about the Mouse King It's one thing to have a mouse run across your floor. Uh, It's a completely different thing when the mouse is twice your size, brandishing a sword. Where's the cheese, right? And then the fourth week, should you stick around long enough, we'll get to the person of the nutcracker and how truly gifted we are with what God offers us. This season of Advent, it's it's not just a waiting for God. It is an anticipation, which is a... Holding of your breath. Anticipation, though, needs help. Anticipation needs curiosity. If you know what's under the tree, even though it's wrapped, if you know what it is, it's not anticipation. You're not holding your breath. You're just waiting for the 25th to roll around. But if you don't know what's under the tree, that anticipation with curiosity makes us hold our breath to wait for the day. Anticipation needs curiosity. They go hand in hand. This curiosity must be authentic. This curiosity must be authentic. If we try to manufacture curiosity, it doesn't work. And I know that because I've tried it. <laughs> when, when I was 12 years old, I wrapped up a box of books, uh, wrapped it up in paper, poked holes in the top, and I told my sister that she was getting a dog for Christmas. And when she would walk by, I would, you know, I would put dog food in the little holes. I mean, I played it up. I played it up great. I would hold the box and like, you know, shake it around and, oh, can't wait for Christmas. Now, first of all. Who puts a dog in a box for four weeks? Like, what kind of monster does that? But I was 12 years old old at the time. Uh, My mother, when she got wind of it, uh, she punished me. And my punishment was calling every human being I knew to find a dog for my sister for Christmas. And until Jesus returns, I had to clean up after it. That's what happens when when we try to manufacture... Curiosity curiosity has to be authentic. But thank God we are not judged by what we did when we were 12. 12 years old is a curious age. Our main character of the story, Clara, is 12 years old at the beginning of the story. At the beginning of the story, she is on one side of a door and she knows that there's a party on the other side. She hears dancing, she hears merriment, but she's told she cannot enter until she sees light, until the tree is lit. And I love that image that that even though you you might be curious about what's on the other side of the door, you cannot enter until you see light. What a beautiful image of our story, of our Christian story. So we find her peeking through a keyhole to see what's on the other side. Now understand, this story is not just a story about a 12-year-old girl who's getting the gift that she wants. In fact, she's not even sure she wants a nutcracker. We'll get to that later understand what's happening in this story this is a story about transformation this is a story of a young girl going from childhood to adolescence that's the doorway and we get to follow along on this journey with her 12 years old is such an interesting you would have to pay me 10 million dollars to be a 12 year old again it's such a, your, your mind's doing things, your body's doing things. It's just a real confusing time to be alive. It's like the time. <laughs> so I, I find it curious that the only story we have from Jesus' childhood is when he was 12 years old. Isn't that interesting? he um, The Holy Family went up to the temple, right? And uh, when they were going back home, uh, they realized that they left Jesus at church. <laughs> you know, oh, where's our child? There's a sermon in there. They, they wake up and, like, where's our kid? And if you're a parent of a teenager, you, you've, you know that story, right? Where, maybe not where's our child, but what has happened to our child, right? So they go back to the temple and they find Jesus there. And Mary uh, says, child, what have you done to us? Which, by the way, is the completely censored version of what happened there. I'm, there is no mother on the planet who, after losing their child for three days, would just say, child, what have you done to us? It reminds me, when I was 12 years old, around about that same time, uh, I was walking home from school, and I I decided to stop at my friend Todd's house without telling anyone. This is before cell phones, right? Because he had the new Top Gun game for Nintendo, uh, which is outside of E.T. for the Atari, is the hardest game ever to play. So I sat at Todd's house for a couple of hours, not telling my parents where I was, and played Top Gun. Well, after a couple hours, I, I walked home and I saw my mother Outside, in the driveway, pacing. And I thought, what a curious hour for my mother to be taking a walk today. So she sees me walking down the street and she runs up to me and she gives me the warmest hug that I think I've ever received, followed by the swiftest spanking I think I've ever received. And it wasn't just one swat. It was a syllabic spanking. Do you know these? Don't you ever do this to us. You hope that there are a few words your mother has to say because she keeps, don't you, come right home from school. Child, what have you done to us? That is a, (laughs) that's what's called balderizing. Uh, It means a softening of the tone of the language. Child, and then I love it. Jesus is such a 12-year-old. Jesus is snarky with his mother after that. Child, what have you done to us? And Jesus says, did you not know that I was in my father's house? And, and we know that there was just a hint of snark in the teenage Jesus' voice because the very next verse it says, and he went home with his parents and obeyed them. I bet so. That was a long walk back to Galilee, my friend. You know, um... And then it it says, Jesus, he grew in wisdom. Even Jesus grew in wisdom and in favor. This story is not just about a young girl who gets a toy uh, for Christmas. It's a story of transformation. It is being on one side of the doorway, moving into the other side. This is what I love about uh, the first Sunday of Advent, hanging of the greens, right? It's a transformation. It's a transformation. When you were here last week, the sanctuary did not look like this. And here we are. It's been transformed, but but there's still more to the story. This is not the end of the story. This is just the beginning. It's kind of like the Old Testament prophecies that we read during this time of year in Advent. Uh, we read Old Testament prophecies that point us to the person of Jesus Christ. Like, for example, Jeremiah chapter 33 says, he shall execute justice and righteousness in the land. But interestingly, these Old Testament prophecies don't tell us exactly how these things happen. That's the curiosity part. That's the anticipation part. Anticipation needs curiosity. We're not curious about how Jesus was born. We know that story. We've had that story for thousands of years. We are curious as to why it matters today. We are curious as to how God will continue to move and work through this child king. Anticipation needs this curiosity. He shall execute justice and righteousness. How? Well, we learn from the story that executing justice is a lifting up of the lowly. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me to preach good news to the poor, release to the captives, recovery of eyesight to the blind. That is justice. Righteousness means a deep and abiding relationship with God. It does not mean that you are perfect. It does not mean you've never screwed up. It does not mean you come to church every Sunday. All of that, man, it's a good thing. Righteousness means a deep and abiding relationship with God. And we find out in Jesus' story that the way he executes righteousness is with his very self. His life. Given as a ransom for many. He shall execute justice and righteousness. We're not curious about how Jesus did that. We're curious about why it matters today and how God will continue to ask us to continue the story. How are you being called to execute justice? How are you being called to execute righteousness? This story is a story of hope. What do you hope will happen this Advent season? What are you hoping for? Have you made it known? Have you asked? Who needs to hear this story? A friend? A neighbor? Who needs to know that they are loved? Who needs to know that they are being invited into this story? Who needs to know that? Because maybe... If we're honest, maybe it is us. Maybe it is you who needs to once again have a connection with Christ. Maybe, maybe it's you who needs to be filled with a holy curiosity. Maybe, maybe, maybe you feel as if you're peering through the keyhole looking for the light, waiting to be invited in. And the good news is on a day such as today, we light a candle. The candle will be lit, and the invitation is made. And all we're asking is for you to come in. Thanks be to God. Amen. Let us pray. Holy and loving God. You who sent your Son to execute justice and righteousness, fill us with a holy curiosity of the way in which you are calling us to continue that story, calling us out into the world to proclaim good news to the poor, calling us to go out into the world as righteous people, walking every day with you. Father, give us the courage when we see the light to enter the dance, to enter the wedding feast, to enter into your house. We pray this in the name of Jesus Christ who lives and reigns with you and the Holy Spirit, one God, now and forever. Amen.